Welcome to Pageantland, the UK's premier podcast for all things pageantry, with your host, Jessica Barkley. Here you'll find guest experts, past, present, and future queens, plus my own personal insights into what it's like to follow your pageantry dreams. So whether you're hitting the stage for the first time, looking to up your game, or even after some inspiration to follow your own dreams, I hope you will find something here for you. I'll ask the questions you're too embarrassed to and get real about the highs and lows of pageantry. If you enjoy this episode, please give us a share on social and pop me a review on iTunes. Now strap on those heels and let's get into it because we have a lot to cover. Hello, 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 and welcome back to episode two of the Pageant Lab podcast. So as some of you may have known, I used to be a wedding and event planner. It was my first proper like grown-up career and I'd be handling up to like 60 weddings a year plus additional birthdays and private dinings uh, for the specific venue I worked at. Now that's a lot of events to plan and juggle and sometimes I'd have people coming in that had a really good grip on what they wanted to do and sometimes people would be coming in blank canvas uh, I'd also help people run charity events and things like that as well. That's actually where my event planning journey began. It was at school as part of the Charities Commission. I'd be running events for them. And then my school didn't have a prom at the end of GCSE, so I ran that one as well uh, with a little bit of help from a couple of friends. Um, but it definitely sparked an event planning bug in me and realised that something it was really lo- that I really loved doing. I also ran a few... They were, they were called Puck Nights, uh, Party Union Clash. Don't ask me how that name came about. Uh, but they were like band nights for friends' bands and stuff that couldn't necessarily get gigs at pubs and clubs because we were 15, 16-year-olds. Um, so I'd hire village halls and sort out PA and set up tickets and run a soft drinks bar and stuff like that um, for like my friends at school and things like that and further afield and it was really nice it brought people from loads of different schools together and these bands had somewhere to play so obviously a big thing in me a natural thing in me to do this event planning so today I'm going to touch on the basics of planning an event now the current economic climate is tricky and it might sound really doom and gloom to say that but I think you have to be realistic with that when you're asking for people to part with money it doesn't matter how much they like you and they support you we are in very uncertain times um obviously with Brexit um but I my general feeling is that there is a rumbling beyond Brexit there is a tricky economic rumbling beyond Brexit at the moment and that is definitely rolling over into many, many areas of life and charity fundraising is, is being hit in a big way. I have had three sets of tickets that I've been refunded for, for charity events that I was going to with other pageant contestants that I wanted to support because tickets haven't sold well or like costs have escalated and things like that. Uh, one of them moved, but it moved to a date I couldn't do. Uh, but again, it wasn't, there wasn't enough interest in the original date and There are so many things that could factor into those. But for me, I'm seeing this across so many industries that I personally think it is in part part of this sort of weird economic rumbling that is going on. So that is definitely something to consider. Now, maybe we're four years down the line when you're coming back to this episode 
but it's still an important thing to factor in. I'm kind of hoping for years down the line that Brexit has been sorted and that we are slightly more stable, not just as a country in the UK, but globally. That would be nice. We like stability. Humans naturally like stability, so that would be awesome. So, a little bit of doom and gloom over the top of this, but I would much rather be realistic with you guys and have you prepare in a realistic way not get beaten down by planning an amazing event and then it not working out. Like, as I've said in previous episodes, challenging yourself but also being realistic, particularly if you're early on in your pageantry journey. Pageantry is a brilliant way of building confidence and self-esteem, but nothing dashes confidence and self-esteem like not managing to achieve anything you set your mind to. So find that nice balance Make sure you've got a good sounding board for all the things that I'm going to talk to you about today. So my first one is to come up with an amazing and marketable idea. It needs to be something that you can sell fairly easily. You don't want something that you have to over explain to everyone you want to buy a ticket um, or every time you're trying to sell the product that you're going to do. It might be that you're, uh, yeah, you're going to have a product that you're going to sell instead and you're not going to have an event because you realise that actually trying to ask people to come to something is too tricky. And that's really good if you live in an awkward place. Um, now, Danielle Latimer, who's the MS Galaxy London title holder, done this spot on. She lives in East London, which doesn't have as many uh, pageant contestants in it as, say, if you lived in Manchester or Newcastle or that kind of area in the UK. And the same, if you live in the middle of nowhere, it's going to be much harder for people to come to your event or you're going to have to plan an event somewhere you don't know or that's really far from you, then you might want to look at doing the idea of a product. And she did an amazing product. I know she definitely did it last year. I'm not sure if she did it the year before as well. Um, But she does these charity robes. For the Galaxy Girls, they've all gone purple. And then you've got gold writing on the back with your Galaxy title. I, of course, had to be different. So I have a black robe that says living your best galaxy life on the back of it. Um, So you don't necessarily have to be competing in the system to get one of her robes. I will pop a link to uh, something on her social media so you can find her if you're interested in one of those robes. But brilliant idea. Um, She found a really good supplier. She's got a really cool product that a lot of the pageant girls are interested in, whether they're competing or not. And the money's going to charity. Winning. Brilliant idea. That might be a much better route for you than doing an event. And that might be your amazing and marketable idea. But if you're going to have an event, yeah, really, really think through. Now, like I said, I'm going to err on the side of caution with this episode because of what I am seeing um, across the board. And balls are very tricky. And everyone always says to me whenever I'm embarking on something, oh, you should just run a charity ball. I have run a lot of charity balls over the years for myself, well, not myself as the charity, but as me as the host and also supported other people in running them. Balls require people to give up a lot of time. Uh, You're often looking at big numbers and hair and makeup and dresses. Often there's accommodation for people to factor in. If it's a long evening event, you're looking at food, which pushes your ticket prices up. Um, and you want a venue with a lot of space to dance, you end up booking a big space before you've sold your tickets. They are a tricky sell. Now, a great example of doing this well is the Pageant Lamb Ball, which is hosted by 
um, the reigning gal, I think it's just the reigning galaxy girls. Um, I'm not sure if it's all the girls from the pageant, uh, pageant girl system. So pageant girl limited, um, run galaxy and a few other systems within the UK. Uh, it's definitely the galaxy girls, but I'm not sure if the, um, like Miss Teen GB and stuff, other systems are involved in it as well. But they're a big group. They've got a big reach. They cover lots of areas of the country. And because of that, it means it draws a big crowd because everyone knows that everyone else is kind of going to be going. If you haven't got a group of people to run the event together and you haven't got a, a big audience to tap into fairly easily, balls are, a, are very hard to do. Very hard to do. Lots of expense to pull it off correctly. Um, and because of the high ticket prices, people often expect a lot more than if you went for a smaller event. And quite often the smaller events have a better profit margin. So do really, really think about that. It needs to be something you can explain fairly quickly, that you can market fairly quickly. And is it going to be something that's fairly easy for people to come to? Uh, I love a dress code. I love having a dress code because I'm like, I know what's expected of me and know what I'm meant to be wearing. But then I also have kind of most things covered with the exception of possibly fancy dress. I'm sure I probably have something fancy dress wise as well that I could whip out my cupboard. But not everyone is like that. So picking an event that doesn't have a dress code so it opens it up, it means that people can just grab something from their wardrobe to attend is really worth thinking about because if you make it easier for people to attend, they're more likely to attend. Um, once you've got your amazing and marketable idea, who is your audience and how are you going to reach them? Putting up an event on social media is not going to sell your tickets. Just putting the event up and hoping for the best is not going to sell your tickets. I ran a charity quiz this past weekend and although I did have an event on Facebook, I think I had two people accept on the actual event. I have invited hundreds and I had other friends that invited hundreds as well and they didn't even mark as not coming not interested um maybe or anything like that it was literally tumbleweed but I was expecting that I just wanted it to come up in search results on Facebook it took me two minutes to put the event up easy posters up everywhere I went around businesses trying to get businesses to run tables at the event um I went literally door to door doing flyers through doors um, I was slogging, slogging, slogging. I was posting and reposting on social media. And then you need to go back. So if you're posting in groups that aren't your group, you should really go back and delete the past post and put a new post up um, every sort of few days. Like there's a lot that goes into reaching the audience that way. If you've maybe got an audience that you can already tap into, so Maybe you're a girl guide and you want to run a, an event at your girl guides and you know that therefore most of the girl guides are going to attend. You've already got an audience to tap into. It makes life a lot easier. Maybe you are part of a bridge group or Toastmasters, I mentioned them before, um, and you can speak to them and be like, right guys, I'd love to run a charity event you could all come to. What event would you like as well? Because then you're tailoring your amazing idea, your amazing marketable idea to your audience instead of having to find an audience for your event. Next step is choose a rough date. Now, I'm doing date before venue because the venue is going to ask you what dates you're looking at when you go. So look at your rough dates. You want to make sure you've got enough time to prep for the event and enough time to promo the event. Usually want to be looking about eight weeks of promotional work in the run up to an event. Um, so other things to factor in 
my so I've got my event at the end of February originally was looking at like middle of February end of January but realized that actually then my eight weeks ran over Christmas and Christmas just doesn't exist so if your eight weeks runs over Christmas you need to add on a couple of weeks for that chunk over Christmas because that does not count as promotional time people will not be focused on booking your charity event during the Christmas period so and again running over Easter um, summer holidays often quite worth having some extra time unless it's part of the the event is marketed as a summer holiday event but if you're doing something in like mid-September it's very hard to get people's head in the game that bit earlier so give yourself a little bit more time it doesn't clash with anything major Doing something at Christmas is lovely, particularly because a lot of the venues will have decorations up, so you may find you don't need to decorate. Maybe it's a Christmas-themed thing. Maybe you're going to write to Lapland and get Santa to come down and do it like that. That kind of works because it's something people would be doing at that time of year anyway, but maybe trying to run a non-Christmas-related event at Christmas, um, be it a sparkle ball or something like that. So still like winter and festive and appropriate, but at Christmas is going to be very tricky. A lot of people have specific family commitments, work commitments. There's a lot in December that happens. Generally, not a good idea to be running an event then. But maybe you want to make the most of a big event. So one thing I thought of recently that would be awesome, I totally booked to go, is setting up a really good Santa's Grotto towards the end of November and allowing people to come in you don't they don't get a gift, but they come in and they get a really nice picture taken. So find a local photographer, maybe you're really good with a camera. They get a really nice picture taken with a lovely Christmas tree and a nice backdrop and Father Christmas that you then get dispatched to their house as Christmas cards. Perfect. You're making the most of the big event, but you're not clashing with the big event. So those are the kind of things. There you go, you've got an example. Because I'm not running that event. Someone wants to listen to this and run that event, go for it. Um but make sure it doesn't clash with anything major. Now, this could also be you want a lot of your friends and family to come and it's very close to someone's wedding, something like that. Don't clash with a major event. And make sure that it's a suitable time of year for the event. So that photo thing I mentioned, no good in August, not marketable. No one's going to want to come and have a photo with Father Christmas in August. Don't do it. (laughs) Make sure that it's a suitable time of the year for the event you are trying to run. Uh, that also goes very beginning of January. People are often very poor. Um, but they are often looking at goal setting. So maybe you're going to run a, a vision board workshop. Uh, they're also looking at fitness. So maybe you're going to get a fitness speaker in or find someone to help you raffle off some discounted personal training sessions, things like that. That is about finding a suitable time of year. Next thing is trying to find your venue. So to do this, I think the first step that people forget so quickly is what facilities does your venue need? Do you need them to provide food? Would you need a kitchen where you could provide food? Does it need, well, hopefully most venues have disabled access, but um, disabled access, uh, are there going to be lots of families turning up with buggies? Is this place to store buggies? Does it have toilets? Like, Literally, some people forget about that, and then they're having to hire portaloos, and that's really expensive, and that's all their profit gone down the toilet. Um, pun intended. Uh, so, what facilities does your venue need? 
Now, this could be that there's something you were thinking of hiring in, and maybe you could find a venue that already has that thing, uh, which could bring your cost down. Always worth looking at. Um, Do they have the suitable dates? That is very, very key. No point in spending loads of time doing costings and viewings and discussing, discussing, discussing with your sounding boards and then finding out they have no dates. So make sure that they've got the facilities and the dates first and foremost. Also consider transport and parking. I have rocked up to events where the parking has been so difficult I've nearly turned around and not been able to go. Or I've not been able to go for so long, which means I've not been able to part uh, part with as much money um, because the opportunity didn't arise. So really look at transport links and parking. Now, it might be that you live in an area where transport, uh, parking is impossible wherever you go. So therefore, you need to be looking at easy access to good train stations or good bus routes, um, that kind of thing as well. So it doesn't need to just be about parking. Uh, I do think you alienate a certain number of people if you haven't got parking. So, But then I much prefer to be in my car, partly because I'm usually got my daughter with me as well. And driving just becomes so, so much easier. Um, but yeah, definitely fat them. If it's a long way, if you're asking for people to travel a long way for your event, you also need to factor in accommodation. Uh, don't just look, oh yeah, there's loads of hotels. Look at the cost of those hotels. And this you can also link back to finding your suitable date. Are there times of the year where the accommodation is going to be much cheaper for people as well? Definitely, definitely, definitely factor that in. Because if people look at your ticket pricing bargain and then realise it's going to cost them £200 on a hotel for the night, suddenly they they will be factoring that into the expense of buying your ticket, even though your ticket might be £12. Suddenly your ticket is £112 and you ain't seeing, well, £212 and you ain't seeing that £200. Uh, off that, definitely be getting some prices from the venue. Now, uh, for my charity quiz, I was really lucky. The venue were incredible. The Park Hotel in Teddington sponsored the drinks that were included with the ticket price, which also made up my first question. Uh, so within a team, there were two different wines and people got different glasses labelled either A or B. So within every team, uh, you got two glasses at, at least, um, one of each of the wines, and you had to guess which one went with which like name and wine description. Uh, so that was really fun, uh, but it was sponsored by the venue, and they did like the venue hire and everything for free, and it's just fantastic. Like so, there was no specific price per ticket cost for me um, beyond uh, like flyers and marketing and stuff, which actually my business sponsored um, the the flyers and marketing and things basically. I kind of sponsored myself, but still, it, my business sponsored the I like printing of the flyers and posters, and the venue sponsored the drinks and stuff like that. So it is worth asking them: is there anything they can do? And this where it can also link back to finding venues that don't host at many charity events, because they obviously get tapped up a lot. Um, it might be because they do really good rates for charities, but it could also be they get tapped up a lot and therefore they're less likely to give. If you go for a bit more of a bizarre venue that isn't so used to being hit up for sponsorship or for free room hire and stuff like that, then they're more likely to be able to do something. Also, looking at places like community halls, somewhere anywhere that's struggling for finance are going to have less of an opportunity to be able to 
to sponsor you and offer you free stuff. So sometimes it is worth looking at the venues you might think are out of your price range because they will have more of a capability to offer you discounted rates and hopefully sponsor and offer free things as well. Chain venues, often quite good for that. They quite often have a bit of a marketing budget for doing those kind of things. Build the relationships up as well. Uh, so with the Park Hotel, I'm actually their snow queen for the light switch on in the town. Uh, I'm doing story time. I'm going to have my Christie's charity bucket out for me, but that's not the main aim of doing it. But I'm doing Christmas story time dressed up as a snow queen with my little snow angel, my daughter, um, before the light switch on so that people can come out with little ones and, and get involved earlier. Because usually as soon as the lights are on, you have to take the little ones home for bed. So I thought we'll start it a bit earlier by having story time. And then after the light switch on, I'm singing carols for them. So they've also kind of got something out of me. Now, this wasn't a bartering tool when I planned my event, but it really helps to build those relationships and show your appreciation for them helping you with your event by volunteering to help them with something of theirs. Um, also, make sure you get chime in with how much you can share on social media and things like that. People love a bit of free publicity via social media too. So what else do you need and how will you get those things? Very, very important to consider. And this is before you've committed to your venue. The last thing you want to do is commit to your venue and then realise you can't get the entertainment or the judges or the prizes and things that you need. Think about all the elements of your event. What is it you need and how are you going to get them? And then you also want to factor in the cost of marketing. So time and money. And big believer in putting a value on your time. You want to work out how much is this going to cost you to work out if the profit is going to be worth it. Some people plan amazing events, but they don't actually look at the profit margins. You need to put your business cap on. Even if you're 11 and listening to this, you've got to put your business cap on. This is where math actually helps us out. Uh, look at all the expenses, look at all the money you're going to take in and actually work out if it's worth it. Because sometimes running the smaller events have much better profit margins than the bigger ones. Definitely something to consider. And um, Then who's going to be your support system? So like I said at the beginning, it really helps to have someone that can act as your sounding board. But you're going to need a support system through this. The quiz wasn't so stressful. Uh, my partner was basically my support system through the whole thing but I managed to get quite a few people excited about it so they were sharing the word of it as well it was for two charities so I had the support of the other charity uh, the Christie isn't very close to me so although I've got their support on the phone and getting um, bits and uh, pieces and stuff from them like the charity buckets and the flyers and things like that it's much harder for them to attend and support the event uh, Restored, which is a local charity which is ending violence against women at home and abroad, was the other charity we're supporting. And three of the staff from Restored, like the Restored team, rocked up and took part and spoke to people about the charity and things like that as well. It's, I mean, it's great for the charity because they get their name out even more, but it was so nice to feel like I was working as part of a team instead of just slogging away on my own doing it. I said I have my partner and he is incredible when it comes to things like that. Um, so yeah, he has actually been nominated for a pageant industry award um, as pageant partner of the year. I have not told him this yet. He's not on social media. So it would be awesome if you've heard about all the stuff, fabulous stuff that he has done. Um, if you pop over to the pageant industry awards Facebook group, um, 
it's in a Facebook group or Facebook page, um, and I also link it on my social media as well. There is a picture of um, him and my daughter under the title of yeah, pa- um, pageant partner of the year. And if you can comment on there about how amazing he is and all the amazing stuff he does, that would be brilliant because the judges see that, um, and it goes towards hopefully the final result when it's drawn. So anyway. I digress slightly. Um, But who's your support system going to be? And are they reliable? And do you know that they'll give you great, honest feedback? Are they knowledgeable in the area, trying to find a support system that knows nothing about planning events and is just going to be your yes person? Not a good idea. You need to find someone that's going to be willing to stand up to you and say, no, that's a bad idea. Realistically, review your plan is your next step. I know it can feel like you've put in loads of work to this point and that you have to go with it because you've put in all this work, but not the case. It may be that you have to you realise now it's not going to make you any money, you haven't got the time to get it in before the pageant, it's going to be too, it's going to be too much work, you haven't got the, uh, the, the financial resources to pay for things up front, sometimes deposits and things like that can, can be quite hefty and if you haven't sold tickets yet, that's quite scary but you also don't want to sell tickets until you've confirmed everything. So be very realistic with review it, review it with someone else, talk them through the event, get them to say, please be brutally honest with me. It's it's heartbreaking to have to cancel an event. So try and limit the chance of that happening by really, really reviewing what it is you're trying to create. And then my last step is putting everything into writing. And that's your plans as well as any contracts with vendors, venues, judges. Email is brilliant because suddenly it's communication in writing, whereas if you have a phone call, it can be quite tricky. So if you are having a phone call to discuss any details of your event, I always say at the end, I will confirm this all in an email. And then you've got it in writing, you've got it time and date stamped, um, but get contracts, get a contract from your venue, particularly if they're doing things for free, so you know what they are and are not doing for free, things like that. Contracts, 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 paperwork, 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 have it all written down. The other good thing for this is brain freeze, like literally on the day you suddenly panic about what you're meant to be setting up and sorting out, you can refer back to your paperwork. But if you get sick, someone can step up and run your event, or host lots of bits of your event for you. Um, and I speak Uh, speak on this with my experience working in big hotels and things like that where there could be sickness and the event still has to go on but if you're really ill you can't rock up at work and do it whereas you can kind of run your own event a little bit easier but I have to create notes that anyone can follow so make sure that you're doing that when you create the paperwork for your own event. If I haven't put you off planning an event which I really hope I haven't I just wanted to be realistic then I hope you have an amazing time with your event. If you've got any questions, do hit me up. I will do some more episodes on event planning over the season as well. And we'll get in some more experts to talk about things in event planning. Um, I have a fabulous party planner I would love to get on the podcast. So hopefully we'll get her on soon. If you're loving these new episodes, it'd be great if you could give us a review on iTunes. Now, I say a review on iTunes because I'm not sure of the reviewing policy on some of the other platforms. So 
iTunes would be the best place to give me a review. Please, please, please. It really helps me to spread the word of the podcast because we come up higher in rankings and listings and things like that. Just pageantry as a whole, it would be lovely to see it get that extra exposure. So I would really appreciate that. And also giving this a share on social media would be fantastic too. Thank you for joining me today. I value and appreciate your time so much. It's wonderful you've given some of it to this episode. Please rock on over to our Facebook or Instagram and share your thoughts. And I would love you to give this episode a share while you're there. For any specific links, check the show notes or rock on over to our website, pageantlandpodcast.com for more information about the podcast or how you can be a guest on a future episode. Have an amazing day. And remember, you sparkle your brightest when you're being yourself. See you soon.